This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. What do you do when it feels like your life is falling apart? In this week's message, we learn how to stand strong in the test when all hell is at your door. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now for the message, prayer and warfare. I want to say good morning again. What an awesome day to be alive. What an awesome day to be in God's service, to be in reliance and dependence upon such an awesome and mighty God. Begin by thanking him for his provision, his protection, his mercy, his grace, his love that he's bestowed upon us throughout this week, how he showered us with, with compassion, how he didn't give us what we truly deserve. He didn't give us what our sins call for, and that is death. Thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life and so that we could have eternal life and we could have access to the Father that we could actually go before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And Lord, how desperately we need you now. We need you now, Lord God. And Lord, we just, we want to pray concerning the leaders of our country, the leaders of this nation. We know one thing for sure that even though it seems that it's out of our control and it's out of control, there's nothing out of your hand, Lord God. Everything is working according to your perfect will, purpose, and plan. Everything is going to work together for the good of them that love God, them who are the call according to his purpose. Thank you, sir, that even though it seems like it's a lost cause, Thank you that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and as a river water, you turn it whithersoever you will. So, Lord, I know that you are more than able to turn the heart of these men to do what you desire, to do what you want, to change the direction and the course of this nation. We know you have the power to do so. But we also realize that it's based upon not so much of whether you have the power, but whether your people are appealing to you for this change. If we, your people who are called by your name, have we, are, are we humbling ourselves and praying and seeking your face and turning from our wicked ways so that you can hear us from heaven and heal our land and forgive our sin. I pray, Father, that you would stir up within us a will and a desire to pray, to pray, Lord God, to call upon you in our desperate times of need, to appeal to you for help and mercy and grace in these difficult days and hours that this nation and that a lot of us individually are facing. I pray for those that are the eight and a half million people that have contracted the COVID-19, Lord. I thank you that their times are in your hand that you have the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and that no person can leave this world without your say-so. And Father, I pray against premature death in these people, sir, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for those that have already lost loved ones. Over 225,000 have lost their lives. 200, over more than 225,000 families have been affected by this disease. I pray, Father, for those families. I pray for your mercy and your grace and asking the Holy Spirit to go forth and comfort them even now, Lord God. I pray for those that even may be in hospitals all over this nation struggling to live. Jesus, you touch. You still have that healing touch. You still have that healing virtue that flows from the hem of your garment, Lord God. And I'm asking you to touch, to heal, to deliver, because only you can. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would keep and protect us, our families, our church family, from contracting this disease and 
becoming ill and sick, Lord God, I thank you for keeping us thus far, keeping us and protecting us from it, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for all those frontline workers or that are caring for these people that are putting their lives on the line daily to try to comfort and to try to bring forth health and healing to the people that are sick, Lord God. I pray that you would keep them and protect their families, Lord God. I'm asking you, Lord, for those that those uh, frontline workers that have been lost, those families that have lost frontline workers that may be angry or bitter because of what have transpired in their families. I'm asking you to heal those hurts and wounds and that brokenness that's in their hearts. I pray, Lord God, for the scientists that's working so diligently to come up with a vaccine to, to try to beat this disease and bring it under control. I pray for the, against the stubbornness of the American people who try to stand and, and say that they have rights and fight for their rights which truly they, we don't have a right. And one of our rights is to obey the law of the land, the government, the, the rule that you have established. And for us to follow the means that they have laid out for us to follow in order for us to be protected and kept. I praise you and thank you for that, Lord God. And I pray for our individual church members and church families since we've been separated, Lord God, every, I believe every individual has faced their own situations and circumstances. Some sickness and disease, some family issues, some issues with children, some financial issues, some dealing with job-related issues, Lord God. I don't know what we all are facing, Lord, but I'm asking you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus, to gird us up with your power, to cover us with your blood, to strengthen us, O oh God, in our inner man, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we be rooted and grounded in love, and may, may we be able to comprehend what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. I pray, Lord, that we won't lose sight of who we are, and that we will shine forth as the light of the world in the midst of a dark, dark, dark generation or dark situation, Lord God. And Father, I thank you and I praise you and worship you and honor you, Lord God, for working and moving in the midst of these situations that we are facing and dealing with even at this moment in time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. This morning we want to, uh, last week we kind of talked about some of the schemes of the devil, some of the things that Satan does. To morning I want, this morning I want to talk about prayer and warfare and how the two working together can help us to war against what the enemy is seeking to do to us. How he's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. I know there's a lot of people, maybe not so many in our church, but there's so many that has come to the place and the point where they want to give up, they want to quit, they want to faint. They've lost hope. They're questioning their faith. And this is what Satan wants us to do. Some don't have the strength to fight. Some don't have the will and the desire, the energy to fight. But Lord, I'm asking you today to gird us up, to strengthen us against these attacks that the Satan has waged against the church and his people. He's come forth. He's unleashed wickedness in this world. He's unleashed things to, 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 to try to, dis, to, to discourage and get God's people off track and get us out of our, out of our, 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 our spiritual habits of praying and reading your word and he's causing us to try to causing us to lose sight of what our mission truly is and where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing he's calling causing us to look like the world the world is conforming us he's the world the world is shaping us into its mold and into its image 
And we need to stand up and use what God has given us to win this battle. To stay strong in the midst of this darkness because I truly believe that the world is actually looking at us while we're dealing with what we're dealing with and how we manage it. The truth of the matter is this, after we lived a while, we come to the realization that life is not a crepe, a playground. We realize that it's a battleground. If you live long enough, you come to know that life is not always easy. Jesus actually told us. He said, in the world, you're going to have trouble, but in me, you can have peace. But he said, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Let me say this to you before we go any further that Jesus has already overcome what you are facing and dealing with. He's already overcome it. He's already defeated it. He's already beaten it. And all we have to do is to hold on and hang on. We cherish those times when we enjoy life and we have pleasure and dread. We dread those times when we have pain and struggle. It's been noted, it's been said that life can be considered bitter and sweet. The sweet we cherish and the bitter and the and the bitter with the with the pain and struggle we dread. In the book of Ephesians, chapter six, Paul finishes his writing to the Ephesians with the warning that we are in a battle. Just in case you didn't know. Just in case you was wondering what was going on. Just in case you was wondering why life was so difficult and so hard. Why you was facing so many things. And this battle is what we call spiritual warfare. Paul actually describes it by calling it the evil day. This is when... All hell breaks loose on you. When you're overwhelmed, this is not your typical day of ups and downs. This is when you're under major attack. Your world is being shattered. Your life is being turned upside down. Your dream seems to be destroyed. Hopes are being dimmed and you look around and all you see is trouble. This is the evil day. This is the day when hell has dialed up your name and hell is, seems to be after you. And when that day comes, he says, you will need the strength of the Lord. When that day comes, you're going to need God's strength. It's not going to work any other way. It's not going to, you're not going to be able to stand any other way. The normal protocol is not going to work and, and, and it, it's not going to work. And playing church is out of the question. When that day comes into your life, you are, you are going to need the supernatural power of God. You're going to need God's strength. You're going to need God's power to manifest in your life. Another thing that Paul wants us to understand in Ephesians 6 is this. Everything visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. If you think back to the book of Genesis, everything God was calling out of the spirit, what he wanted in the natural. So everything actually comes out of the spirit realm into the visible and physical realm. And Paul is telling us that if we want to address the visible and physical, you have to do it from the invisible and from the spiritual realm. He's using the term heavenly places, which means the spiritual realm. When your family, your dreams, your resources, your health, your future is being attacked, you have to view them from heavenly places. 
I want you to think to Colossians where it says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, he's saying set your focus. He's saying we need to learn how to view life from heaven's perspective. Let me say this to you, that if you try to view life, if you try to manage your situation from a natural perspective, you will always be defeated because what you see in the visible and in the physical is, for, uh, is, is being affected by the invisible and the spiritual, the supernatural. And you got to start looking at it from that perspective. We have to start seeing it from that perspective. The spiritual realm, if you are going to have any success during these times, you're going to have to see life through the spiritual realm. You're going to have to understand that there's something behind the scenes, something that you can't put your hands on, something that you can't touch. Oh, your situation is an opportunity. It's not an obstacle. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity for you to stand and manifest God's strength and power in a situation that seems to be impossible to man. It's your time. It's your opportunity. He tells us three times to stand. He says to stand. He says to stand. He tells us don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's my message to you this morning. Stand. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. You have seen, listen to me, you have seen God work. You've seen him move. You've seen him fix situations that you thought couldn't be fixed. You've seen him change things that you thought couldn't be changed. You've seen him work out things that you thought would never be worked out. So I'm telling you, don't quit. Stand. The temptation is to throw in the towel when everything is falling apart. But that's the time that you need to under, you need to stand. That's the time you need to make a determination that you're not going to quit. You need to make the determination and see it as Peter saw it when Jesus, when, when Jesus preached the message and told him to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And the Bible says there were many that didn't walk with him anymore. And he turned and looked at his disciples and said, do you want to go too? And Peter looked at him and said, Lord, where can we go? Ask yourself that question. Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Listen to me. That's what Peter told Jesus. Listen to me. You don't have that. Let me give you, let me, let me, let me give you options before we go on. Your options are you can go with God or you can go with the devil. There is no other place. Listen, folks, there is no middle ground. There is no purgatory. There is no other place. We're serving God. We're with God or we're with the devil. So if you're consider, considering quitting, if you're considering giving up, then what you, your choice is, you're saying, I want to just go on with the devil. That's not an option. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to think about this, that every vessel that the devil invades, he, he, he tears it up. The story of the pigs. When the devil at within the man, the man was cutting himself with stones and, and, and breaking chains and couldn't be tied down. When the, when the spirits went out of the man and went into the hogs, guess what he caused the hogs to do? Run off into the river and drown. He, he destroys what he gets into. So it's not an option. We don't have a choice. We got to stay with God. We can't quit. We cannot give up. So hold what you got. The first thing he wants us to understand is that Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
He wants us to understand that people are not the source of your problem. And hear me good. If you want to solve a problem, you got to get to the source of the problem. Too often we deal with the symptom and not the source. And as long as you deal with the symptom, you'll never resolve the problem. People are not the source of your problem. They may be the conduit for your problem, but not the source of your problem. Don't forget that. What is the source of your problem? Ephesians 6, 12, and the second part of that verse tells us, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I just heard somebody say, I, but I, there ain't nothing I can do with them. And that's right. That's why I said you're going to need God's strength in this situation. You're going to need, super, you need supernatural power. I hear you saying, too, that I, I can't access supernatural power. Yes, you can, and yes, you already do, and yes, you already have it. He is telling us that when we are under fire in our lives, we are to stand on the ground where Jesus has already been burned for us. Stand on the ground where Christ has already suffered for us. You got to realize that Jesus has already bore your sins in his body on the tree. You got to realize that Jesus has already been punished for your crime, for your sin. That he has already, you, you, you got to stand where the prairie fire has already, where, where, where the fire has already been burned. You got to stand in that place. You got to stand on Calvary's hill, Golgotha's hill. Where, 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 where Christ has already suffered. You got to find yourself in him because when you find yourself in him, you will always be in a place where the wrath of God won't fall twice. Jesus already paid the price for this. You hold on to the strength of the Lord. You don't, you don't walk away from the Lord during this time. You run to him. You run to him. Don't let the devil make you evade him, but seek to embrace him. Call him. Cry to him. Stand firm. Hold on to your faith during this time of suffering and pain. And in the midst of your struggle, hold on. And then Paul goes on to tell us how to dress for spiritual success. You know, you... You, 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 you wear certain things for certain occasions. You wear certain things for certain purposes and reasons. Understand this, that he, he tells us to put on the armor of God. He tells us to put on the armor of God. In a military parade, you show the weapons. But when you're in a war, you use them. Heads up, folks, it's time for us to get out of the parade and to realize that we're in a war. It's time for us to come to the place where we stop trying to show what we have and we begin to use what we have. It's time to take the rifle off your shoulder. It's time to load it with ammunition. It's time to stop sporting that chill as if it's a suit and start carrying it as if it's there to protect you. It's time to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to put it on your tongue and to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. It's time for us to shard our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's time for us to have peace like Jesus promised us. It's time for us to talk, stop talking about it and start actually demonstrating it and manifesting it and putting these weapons in the practice and in the place and in, 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 in full use. It's time for us to get out of the parade and realize that we are in a battle. Ephesians 6, verse 14 through 17 actually tells us what we are to wear. It says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
He says, and above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice he said, now these are the tools that we got to use. These are the tools that are set for you to use while your life is being challenged. And if you forget each individual piece, just remember this. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hey, there's one, there's one name to remember. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. When he tells you to put on the truth, when he tells you to gird your loins with truth, what is he telling us? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except by me. If you, if, you, if, if, if you forget truth, just remember Jesus. He tells us about to put, to, to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus said in the word that I am your righteousness. In the Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 5, 21, it said God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made, what? The righteousness of God in him. He is our righteousness. Stop trying to live in, a, in your own righteousness. Try, stop trying to be right within yourself and take up the righteousness which has been so freely provided for you and that is the righteousness of God which is Christ Jesus. And he says, shard your feet with the preparation of the readiness of the gospel of peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, he's, he's declared to be the prince of peace. John four, four, in, in the book of John, he said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then he tells us to put on the helmet of salvation. Jesus said he is the author and the finisher of our salvation. If you forget that, if you forget the helmet of salvation, just remember Jesus. And then he tells us, he said, now take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you remember in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, and the word was made, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If we don't use the tools that God has laid out for us, there's no way we can be successful in the battle. And then he said, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I know you may say, I don't have any faith, but let me explain something to you. The Bible said God has given to every man the measure of faith. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But you've got to exercise it in Christ and not in your situations and circumstances. In, in the book of Corinthians, again, I think it's chapter 4, it says this the, about the spirit of faith. We have believed and therefore we speak I also believe and therefore have I spoken. And listen to me. Faith speaks and listen to me again. Every day you are speaking your faith, whether it's in the enemy or whether it's in God. If you're saying it's hopeless and it's helpless, you tell you, 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 your faith is in the enemy. It can't be in God. Because the word of God says many things are impossible with men, but all things are possible with God. All things are. Remember these things. Remember this. Truth is your one of your weapons. Righteousness is one of your one of the one of the tools that God has provided for you. Peace. Peace. Let me tell you something. When your heart gets to be troubled, you start making irrational decisions. You start making bad choices and decisions. You start to think crazy. Cover your head with salvation. Realize that Jesus has saved you. And not only has he saved you from hell, he saved you from all the trouble and chaos in the world. When I say save you from, I mean that he'll keep your heart. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You is the understood subject of that verse. You have to not allow your heart to be troubled. 
and take the word of God and put it on your tongue. I can remember some uh, 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 Joel Osteen, if I'm not mistaken, I can remember him talking about his mother when she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, she, and, and, and they said she had started to speak the word of God over her life and said when she started to speak, it was like the Bible said, it was like a mustard, a mustard seed. It was like a very small thing up against what she was speaking against. But they said over time, the word of God began to grow and it began to exceed and it began to excel and it began to grow bigger than the situation and the circumstance until his mother was free from that cancer and still alive today. And my point is, when you start to speak the word of God, it may seem as if it's not working, but let me say this to you. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Because sometimes when you start to say it, you don't really believe it yourself. Keep saying it until it actually becomes a part of you. Keep saying it until you actually believe what it says. We got to realize that God is, 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 is on our side. What does it actually mean to put on Christ? You want to find your life centered in God's son, relying on his power and strength and wisdom to show up in the middle of your storm. It means that I am giving my all to him. I'm relying everything I got is on him. Everything that I have is dependent on him to come through. I'm living my life in the center of, 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 of God's son. I'm trusting in his power and his strength and his wisdom to show up in the middle of this. How do we put them on? In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 18, he tells us something. He said, you must pray at all times as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. Pray for the things that you need. I used, I used another translation here because I wanted it to be plain. He said, you must pray at all times as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. Pray for the things that are needed. Note it said, as the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. I have another translation. It says this, pray in or independence on the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayer, prayers and requests, asking for everything you need. We got to come to the place and the point where we pray prayers that are Spirit-led. We got we to come to the place where we pray prayers that are independence on the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I don't know about where you are in your life, but I have come to the realization that there is nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Jesus said in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branch, and without me you can do nothing. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to realize that I am independent I am independence on the Holy Spirit. I have to pray independence on him. I have to work independence on him. I got to wait for his wisdom. I got to rely on his strength. I got to trust in his power. I got to realize that I cannot overcome. I cannot defeat. That I cannot win in these situations if I don't rely on the Holy Spirit. If I don't trust in the God that I serve. I can't win. And he said, to do this, you must always be ready, alert, and never give up with all perseverance. That's the rest of verse 18. You be ready, alert, never give up. Let me say this. I think in the midst of our circumstances, what the devil does is, let me, let me back up again and say this again. The devil does us like, he, he, he causes us to do like the, the, the bull. He causes us to focus on the wrong thing in the midst of our situations, in the midst of our storms. He causes us to look at the wrong things. What are we looking at? What are you looking at right now? Are you looking at your circumstance and seeing how impossible it is? Are you looking at your health and seeing how impossible it, it, it can be? 
Are you looking at your finances and seeing how impossible your circumstance can it is? You need to refocus. Remember, we got to look at life from heaven's perspective. If I focus on the situation and not realize that behind the visible and the physical is a spiritual being. If I forget that, then I'm going to try to solve it from a visible and a, and a physical perspective. And when I do that, it's, it, I'm fighting a losing battle. I am fighting a losing battle. The way you put on Christ, the way you utilize him, you tap into his strength and his power. And how do I do that? I do that through prayer. I do that through prayer. That's why he had prayer in verse 18 because he said all of this stuff works through prayer. In a constant communication with God. Prayer is relation, relational interaction with God. Most of us want to pray when we get into warfare and have not prayed before you got into this warfare. We got to pray. We have to pray. And let me say this to you again. I, I just keep feeling this impressed upon my heart is that, is that too often when we pray, prayer seems to be insignificant. It seems to be ineffective. When you pray and you, you leave your prayer room, prayer closet, wherever you pray, you, got, you can't get up and go and look at the circumstances and then base the effectiveness of your prayer on what you see. You have to base the effectiveness of your prayer on what God said. On what God said. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And whatever I ask in that name, he'll do it. He'll give it. I'm not talking magic wand. I'm talking praying according to his will, according to 1 John 5, 14. If I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I have the petition that I desire of him. The Bible tells us in Luke 18 that men ought always to pray and never to faint. The devil wants you to think that your prayers are not being heard. He wants you to think that your prayers are not being heard. Sometimes we can't stand strong in the Lord because we have not stood with the Lord. And now that we are in an emergency, we need the Lord. He's talking about staying in touch with him all day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Luke 18 says the same thing. Never stop praying. Pray always. Rejoice evermore, evermore. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. Pray without ceasing. Stay in continual contact with God. Stay in continual contact with God. Stay in touch with him. Why is this important? You are being attacked by demons, and in order to fight a demon, you are going to need God. Too often we forget that it is spirits that is attacking us in the spirit, and it is affecting us in the visible and the physical. You ever thought that the answer to demons are angels? Let me ask this question. When, when Daniel prayed, when Daniel prayed, what happened? The Bible says that the day that he sought his, set himself to seek God's faith, the answer, God sent the answer on the way. But the, the, with the angel, listen, the angel was bringing the answer, but it was, he was held up by a spirit. And guess what? 
he had to call on Michael, the archangel, to help him fight through because he was the messenger, the angel with a message. And this is what we have to understand. We have all been assigned an angel. Hebrews chapter 1, angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto those who are heirs of salvation. Remember, the angel of the Lord do always behold the face of our Father. Our angel do always behold the face of our Father, waiting on a command from him. And the job of the angel is to look after the well-being of the believer. If you read, read Psalms 91, he has given his angels charge concerning us to keep us in all our ways. To bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against a stone. That angel has been assigned to us to keep us, to protect us. And guess what? When we pray and when we say we engage God, the Holy Spirit, who activate the angel assigned to you to deal with the demon oppression that is coming against you. Let me say that again. When we pray, we engage God and the Holy Spirit who activates the angel assigned to you to deal with the demon oppression that is coming against you. We, we throw the war into the spirit realm. There's a battle going on in the spirit realm. Then he tells us to pray in the spirit. The job of the spirit is to deliver the mind of God to the believer. Remember some things that the, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It says about the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own, but whatsoever he hears, that will he speak. In other words, he's listening in heaven and he speaks in the earth. It is the job of the spirit to speak to us in the midst of these difficult and dire situations. Now, there are some, there are some uh, uh, people that has, has taught this and actually said that this is praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. I believe that to be true as well. But right now, we want to we deal with praying in accordance with the Holy Spirit. We want to understand what the job of the Spirit of God is. And he is in heaven listening. He don't speak on his own, but whatever he hears that, he will speak. Jesus said when he has come, he will guide you into all truth, teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He told his disciples, there are things that I cannot speak with you, tell you now. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll, he'll show you these things. So it is the job of the spirit to deliver the mind of God to the believer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things, has, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The, the spirit of God is there to reveal to us the mind of Christ. To give us the mind of Christ. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's searching the deep things of God. And he's taking those deep things and he's revealing them to us. The Holy Spirit will speak to us in the midst of our darkness and tell us what's happening, what's going on. When hell is at our door, he tells us how to deal with it. He gives us the wisdom of God. He gives us the mind of Christ. He delivers to us what we need for that moment. A word in due season, a word in due time. And he wants us to operate in the realm of the spirit. What is that? That is a spiritual mindset. Thinking biblically, not worldly. The mind of Christ, not the mind of man. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to try to bring to you. That's how we operate in the spirit. That's how we stay in the spirit. Let me say this, when you start thinking like a man, you're, thinking, you're, not, you're not thinking in accordance with the Spirit. 
When those thoughts come into your mind that try to take you into a worldly situation or try to cause you to give up hope on your situation, it is a demonic spirit that's putting that thought in your mind. You then have to resist that thought or cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. You got you to gotta get rid of those thoughts that tell you where you can't and, and cause you to focus on your situation and tells you to get, tell you to give up and quit. You got to focus on those words that Jesus has spoken and you got to say them until you see a manifestation of them. Galatians 5 verse 16 and 17 says, so I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit of what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. What you got to understand, there is a conflict between your flesh and the spirit. There's a war between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is, is, is the desire to please self instead of pleasing God. And what is happening when we pray and nothing is happening what, what is happening when we pray and nothing is happen, happening? Could it be that we, you are doing it in the wrong environment? It has to be done in the spirit. It has to be done in the spirit. If a man is in the water and he tries to inhale and exhale, guess what? Nine times out of ten, he's going to drown. Why? Because he's trying to inhale and exhale in the wrong environment. But if you take him out of the water and you put him back on the earth and he starts to inhale and exhale, it, it works because he's in the right environment to do that. You have to stay in the right environment, which is in the spirit. In the spirit. And listen, folks, those thoughts that's coming into your mind are seeking to take you out of the spirit. Place you in the natural Focus on the circumstances that you are facing. And when you do, they seem impossible. And when that happens, you are ready to throw in the towel and quit. That's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to focus on what we see. So that we can give up hope and we can faint and we can quit and we can say it don't work. It's impossible. This, that, it's not helping. I'm praying, but nothing is happening. When you pray, don't go look at your circumstances because they still may be the same. What needs to happen is we need to pray until God gives us a new perspective. And we're going to cover that in a minute. All of this has to be a lifestyle. It can't be what we do on occasion, but we have to do this continually. That's how we're going to win the fight. That's how we're going to win the battle. It is God that chooses how he will deliver. He may choose to take you through it. He may choose to take you out of it. He may just give you strength in the midst of it. Either way, you will know he's with you. And just like I said, sometimes he will change your perspective. He'll change how you see it. He'll change how you view it. He'll change how you look at it. Sometimes God don't change the circumstances. I remember, I remember when I was dealing with a difficult situation on my job. And I felt like I couldn't take anymore. And this is what I prayed. I said, God, if you can't change, if you're not going to change this, please change me. Change me. And somehow, somehow, the search of circumstances stayed the same, but God did a work in my heart and my mind until the place where it didn't bother me like it had in the past. It didn't bother me the way that it did in the past. Tell you a story of two guys. They went into this, this, this other country and, 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 and because for some reason the wolves had been coming, the wolves had been multiplying too quickly. And it was causing an imbalance in nature because you had so many wolves. It was, 
they were destroying other animals and, and causing an imbalance in nature. So they made an offer. They said every wolf would be worth $5,000. Every wolf would be worth $5,000. So these two guys went out and they went out and they was gonna hunt, they were gonna hunt wolves. And, 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 and so they, they got to the camp, they got to the place where they were gonna start hunting late. So they said, hey, let's just, let's just go to sleep and wake up in the morning and we'll start hunting these wolves. And so in the middle of the night, one of the guys happened to wake up. Toward early morning, he happened to wake up. He looked outside the tent, and there were 30 or 40 wolves surrounding them. And all he could see were the, were the teeth of the wolves. And he said within himself, he said, now we came to hunt the wolves, and now the wolves are hunting us. Fear gripped his heart. He shook his partner. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Look, look, look. And finally, after he got his partner awake and got his partner to look out and see that they were surrounded by 25, 30 wolves, his partner looked at him and said, wow. Man, we're going to be rich. <laughs> Perspective is everything. He didn't see it as something that came to consume him. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw 30, 25 to 30 times 5,000. He saw how wealthy he was going to be. Sometimes it's all in how we look at it. If we view it from heaven's perspective, we'll see it differently. But if we view it as it is, it will cause discouragement. It'll, it'll cause us to want to give up. It'll cause us to want to quit. It causes us to want to faint. But if we'll keep praying, if we'll hold on to God and keep calling his name, no matter what the situation looks like, even if it doesn't look like it's changing, if we'll just keep calling on him, God will send the Holy Spirit to bring us the answers that we need in the midst of the situation and circumstances that we're facing. He'll give us the answer to the test in the middle of the test. He'll change your perspective to where you see this whole situation differently than what you've seen it in the past. I say these three commands that Paul gave again. Stand. Stand. Stand, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Help is not on the way, help is here. Help is already where you are because Jesus promised that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He said, I'll be with you in trouble, I will deliver you and honor you. But long life will I satisfy you and I'll show you my salvation. Let us pray. Lord, we bless you, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you, and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for working and moving in our lives. We thank you for the tools that you've given us to use so that we can win this battle. We thank you that you have already spoiled principalities and powers and made us sure of them openly. We thank you that you have already destroyed the works of the devil. We thank you that Satan is a defeated foe and you have already caused us to triumph and given, given us the victory. We thank you that the word promises us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, sir, that we have the Almighty on our side. If God be for us, who can successfully compete against us as our enemies? Thank you for victory. Thank you for success. Thank you for giving us your strength. Thank you for supernatural power in our darkest hour. And for that, Lord God, for that, sir, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the thanks, Lord God. And we recognize and realize that it's all in you and from you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.